The reading is taken from uh, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, beginning at the first verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man, in order that the righteousness requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of your sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. The Holy Gospel is written in the 13th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Matthew, beginning at the first verse. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell on the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell in good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. We continue on verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, 
but the, but worries, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on the good soil is the man who hears the word, understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Father, we've heard your word spoken to us. We pray as we think about your word that you would reveal more of yourself to us. That we would hear and that we would listen, that we would be encouraged and that we would obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, two Bible readings this morning. One, um, extremely colourful. We know the story well. The seed being sown. And then we have Romans 8, which is full of words. A very, very different feel. And I thought this morning I'd try to tackle Romans 8 rather than the colourful gospel. It's probably one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. If the Bible is a series of mountain ranges, then the epistle to the Romans is the highest peak. And chapter 8 is probably the highest peak of Romans. It's the equivalent of Lord's. It's the center court at Wimbledon. It's a chapter that changed the face of England when in the 18th century, Wesley found his heart set ablaze as he read it and let its truth seep into his heart. And he went on to preach some 40,000 sermons. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The therefore assumes something, doesn't it? And if we had read through the rest of Romans to this point, we would see that it assumes in chapter 1 God's saving power. The, The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. In chapter 2, we see it's good news because of the bad news that the whole human race is in rebellion against God and has been since Adam. We see that there's no difference whether you are Jew or Gentile. Both are sinners and the law, which was meant to bring good and blessing and life, only brought death. What was intended for good had resulted in sin and condemnation because it was impossible to fulfill the demands of the law. So no wonder Paul finishes chapter saying chapter 7 saying what a wretched man I am who will rescue me or rescue him from what not from the law but from sin and death verses 1 to 4 of Romans we see two enemies and one victory The two enemies are sin and death, and the one victory is the sacrifice and death of Jesus as a sin offering at the cross. 
Verse 1 is the conclusion, if you like, set up front to all that Paul is going on to say that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And it's this that Wesley rejoiced in in his hymn, And Can It Be? No condemnation now I dread. Sin plus the law equals death. It equals condemnation. But not for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because in him the life-giving power of God's spirit has freed us from the negative power of the law to bring death from our sin. You see, verse 3, the law couldn't give life because it was weakened by human sinful nature. The fault is in us, not in the law itself. The law is perfect. It brings life to the soul. But the problem is not in the law. It's in us. And that problem is sin. Like an enemy, an alien power that resides within. So what has God done that the law couldn't do? Well, in the face of the problem of sin, the law couldn't bring freedom, but Jesus came in the flesh. And so God condemned sin in the flesh of Jesus. He made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That solves not just a problem for Israel, for God's people who had the law, but the problem for all humanity, for you and me, because we've all sinned. But I said there were two enemies, sin and death. What about death? Well, verse 4 describes the righteous decree, the just verdict of the law, that death is deserved. But in Christ, that verdict, that righteous decree has been fulfilled. And so because we're in Christ, his death is counted as ours. So God in Jesus deals with sin And with the consequence of sin, the condemnation that leads to death, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Two enemies, one victory, but also two realms and one transfer. In verse 4 to 8, Paul starts talking about flesh and spirit. Now, he isn't talking about body and soul. This isn't some idea of the spirit being good and the body being bad. No, flesh was used as shorthand for ordinary, everyday human life, that life that was created by God, but fallen and sinful, a life lived without reference to God, the sinful nature. Spirit, on the other hand, is shorthand for the spirit of God, what God has done in Christ, So verse 9, Paul divides people into two realms, those in the realm of the flesh and those transferred to the realm of the spirit. I don't know if you're a football fan, but last year you may have seen that Paul Pogba was transferred from Juventus to Manchester United for £105 million. It's a ridiculous sum of money. But I think it shows something of what Paul is talking about. Just as Pogba was Juventus and is now Manchester United, there are no half measures. He doesn't appear somewhere near Calais. 
if you're in Christ, you're in the realm of the Spirit, even though you may still be living in a sinful world. And these realms contain different mindsets. Paul says we need to think differently. Paul speaks of the mind of the Spirit and the mind of the flesh. There's a description of the mindset of the flesh, a way of thinking that characterizes those who aren't yet Christians, a mindset that's hostile to God, not submitting to God's law, not pleasing to God. Now, come on, that sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? But Paul isn't talking about attitudes and feelings. He's talking about a mindset. It's a state of being. Sin has declared war against God, and so we are at war. There is enmity no matter what we feel. It's the way that things are. I think of it this way. Back in the early 1940s, if I was a Brit with a German family, I would still be at war regardless of how I felt about my family. So there's a contrast, a mindset that's hostile to God and one that is in Christ, of the Spirit, life and peace. Because we're put right with God through the Holy Spirit, our lives are then governed by God's ways. We live a different story. We play for a different team because of the transfer of Christ paid for us. Now you may think, how can that be true? I don't feel it. I struggle with sin and weakness and it doesn't feel like the Spirit of God in me. But friends, it's not a question of how we feel. It's the way that things are. If you've put your trust in Christ, then verse 9 is true. You are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. It may still feel a struggle, Because there's a battle going on between the light of God in us and the temptations of the world. But you are of the Spirit. Finally, there are two destinies and one Spirit. The climax of the argument is here in verse 10 to 11. We've seen that God condemns sin in the death of Jesus. And he's solved the problem of death by raising Jesus from the dead. So if Christ is in you verse 10. Your spirit is alive because of righteousness and your body is alive because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. Every person of the Trinity in these verses is invested in your life. The spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, Christ himself, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from death, all are put in you. So our destiny is guaranteed. This God will give life to our mortal bodies. Not a shadowy survival of the soul after death, but resurrection of our bodies. No condemnation. Why not? Well, because the two greatest enemies, sin and death, are defeated in the death and resurrection of the Messiah. So if we are in Christ, he's taken the condemnation and we share in his resurrection life by his spirit that he's given us. Two enemies, one victory. Two realms, one transfer. Two destinies, but one spirit. Guaranteed resurrection life. 
Finally, one thing to be sure of and one thing to do. One thing to be sure of, if, trusting in, if you are trusting in Christ, then your sins are forgiven and there is no condemnation now and forever. You have a future destiny guaranteed by God. And if you're in Christ, secondly, play for the team that you belong to. Live the story that you're a part of. Live for him. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, he goes on to say later on in his uh, letter. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's pray. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amen.